We're launching onto YouTube as I speak. And we're live on YouTube. Hey, I'm Bill Gross, a real estate broker in Los Angeles, California. I am the LAProbateExpert.com. And my particular expertise is in selling and uh, probate properties that are sold at probate court with confirmation in Los Angeles, though I know a lot about other things as well. That's the area that I have expertise in. I'm not an attorney, but I believe I'm an expert in the process of procedures. And most importantly, how to get the best result for my client, whether it be the buyer or seller, whether it be an estate or an attorney. So uh, welcome to our call today. We do stream this live on YouTube. We do it every Thursday, four o'clock. I'm gonna give you guys a couple, a couple of heads up that in uh, uh, a little over two weeks, I'm going to New York for 10 days. I have two weddings in a row, and then I have a week in the middle, and I'm gonna be hosting this event live June 17th from New York City, New York, New York. So nice they named it twice. I'm really excited about that. Hoping to get a nice view to share with you guys. Hey, Sean. Congratulations. Garrett. Thank you. Thank you so much. My uh, son-in-law's sister and then my um, best friend's daughter are both getting married a week apart in the same synagogue. How's that one? Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that called when they, they step on the um, glass and break it for stepping union, on, I guess? Called stepping on the glass. So it's a it's an illusion. The idea being uh, a reminder how fragile life is, and also that um, this illusion to the to the, the temple is destroyed that we can't really have fully the full joy that we should have uh, on our spiritual connection to God until the temple is rebuilt. <coughs> so religious Jews or Jews in general, we, we pray every day that the temple should be rebuilt in in uh, Jerusalem. I I see. After they do that, they say Mazel Tov or something. Mazel Tov. Yeah, it's done. It's all over at that point. So the party begins. So yeah, let's party. <laughs> let's party with real estate. Exactly. Let's party. The real, we're going to party with real estate right now. Hey, Sean, welcome to the call. I got your phone call and email and we'll get you to hook up a little later, but thank you for reaching out to me. So um, a couple of things I wanted to start today. I'd like to start every week with a little bit of content. Uh, but again, just a reminder, June 17th will be live from New York. Anybody who's in New York or an agent uh, or investor wholesaler, I want to meet up in New York during that week. Let me know. I'm going to host a couple of different events. I've been invited to guest as a couple of events. And so I'm really excited to make that work. And then July, uh, we're going to be going down to Florida with the Grant Cardone Conference. So I um, look forward to doing some national traveling with you guys this year. So on this call, I tried to do a little bit of content in the beginning, and then we'll make a little freewheeling and answer questions later on. I've been going through I, my thesis is there are 11 ways that you can create a sale in probate real estate, not just two. Most companies tell you, they'll sell you data and coach you up to either called petitioners or mail petitioners, which is great, or second to market to attorneys, which is also great. But those are two, and there's actually nine other ways. And I would say that not only are there nine other ways, but that if you employ a couple of the other ways with those two, it will make your efforts more productive. Right, so we went through numbers. One was um, pre-probates. Number two was marketing to petitioners. Number three was marketing to attorneys. Number four was MLS full authority properties. And today I want to talk about number five, which is MLS limited authority properties. Now these are um, uh, a percentage of the whole. In LA County, we have about eight hundred probates a month. And we have about 50 properties that are sold with court confirmation. So 50 
of about 800 is obviously less than 110, closer to 1 in 20. However, 1 in 20 of a big number still leaves a good-sized number. And so what I would share with you is there's an opportunity for people who want to break in and say to me, well, it's hard to get through to attorneys. It's hard to get through to petitioners. I don't think I would disagree with you, but I would say then, you know, what are you willing to do to get there? And I'm going to share with you kind of another way that you can get to those same people. Um, and and when the, the way we're going to talk about today is kind of a backdoor way, which is the MLS limited authority. So what do I mean by that? So just a quick overview in California and to some degree other states, but for sure in California, when a petitioner, it could be a spouse, could be children, could be anybody, files for a probate with or without a will, they're saying to court, I want the authority to act on behalf of the estate. Somebody dies, all their stuff is owned by the estate. It's not only the person, they died. It's not owned by the children yet. It might get passed to the children, but it has to go through probate. And probate is the process that the court basically approves the process. Now, if there is a living trust, generally you avoid probate. So we're talking about cases where there is, either is or is not a will, because a will does not avoid probate. A will is probated, biggest misconceptions business. And then when a petitioner goes to court, there are two types of authority. Some of them get what's called full authority. They can do you know, pretty much whatever they want when it comes to selling the property. They can sell it to whoever they want for whatever price they want. There are some limits at the edge if somebody raised their hand and objects. But generally, with full authority, which is about 90% of the cases, the... Um, Petitioner, they could be the executor or administrator, has authority to sell to whoever they want. Now, that said, <clears throat> we talked last week, you might want to look in the MLS for those that don't need court approval. That was, that was method number four, MLS full authority. Today, we're going to talk about the MLS limit authority. So what this means is that when they sell the property, let me give you an overview of the process in California. Somebody dies somebody else petitions the court for approval to be the executor or administrator of the estate. So they file with the court to get what are called letters of authority. So they are authorized to take on certain actions. So from the time you petition, the first hearing date is 30 days away. They're at least 30 days, maybe longer, before they have the authority to do anything. Now, as I said, 90% of the time, they get granted full authority. But about 10% of the time, the court says, no, 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 you can't sell the property without my, the judge's approval. It could be the executor lives out of state. That's a common one. It could be the executor is uh, a criminal, in, incarcerated. It could be that the uh, administrator or executor can't get a bond. A bond is insurance policy to guarantee that the state won't run short and stiff creditors. And so sometimes the court will require a bond. And just like a loan, the, the uh, petitioner executor can't qualify for a bond and they'll need to get what's called limited authority. And some people choose to get limited authority to save money on the bond, big mistake. I see that all the time. Sometimes attorneys encourage petitioners to get limited authority so that the court will 
approve the sale and so that other siblings or other relatives won't sue the petitioner. They'll say, rather than get into a fight, let's let the court decide. That's the most common scenario. So now we have a piece of property being sold by an estate. What does that look like? So now they have the authority from the court, but they have limited authority and they wanna sell the property. So what they have to do first step is they have to publicize the property for sale. Generally in Los Angeles, there are certain newspapers that will run the classified information in a sufficiently wide geography to satisfy the court requirements. Most commonly, Daily Commerce has a lot of little legal publications. It costs like 950 bucks, not cheap, right? And they have to file with the court that you did that before the court date. And you have to notice everybody who might be on the case before the court date, any other errors, any creditors, they have to send out a legal notice to them in the proper format so they know the property is being sold. So if you don't publicize it correctly, the judge won't approve the sale. If you don't notice all the parties, the judge won't notify the sale. Now, here's the tricky part. And here's the opportunity. I'm going to give you, those of you who are buyer's agents in particular, I'm going to give you, I think, a piece of advice that might get you a sale this year. Big misconception. Well, let me back up. Let me finish the process, then we'll go back. Once you publicize the sale, the, the estate will have to publish the, uh, the advertisement for about three weeks. And then they can pick an offer and accept it if they want to, or negotiate with one. Now, once they accept a sale, and then the, once the buyer waives all their contingencies, the attorney or the state will file with the court to confirm the sale, a petition to confirm the sale. And generally, by the time they petition to the court, the buyer should have waived all contingencies and put at least a 10% cash deposit down. Doesn't have to be, that's the most common practice. Now, here's one misconception. Some estates mistakenly think that the initial, the EMD, the earnest money deposit has to be 10%, doesn't have to be. It can be 3% or less. You just have to get to 10% before the court date and ideally before you petition for the court date. So really the best practice is to acquire normal EMD, first by deposit of 3%, have the buyer clear all contingencies and with that raise their deposit to 10%, then file the petition with the court for approval. Now today, we're post COVID far enough, if you petition the court for approval, you'll get a date for court confirmation about 30 days out, not too long. And that gives everybody time to kind of get everything in order. The truth is about one in four get confirmed and three out of four get continued because the estate, the attorneys don't do the paperwork properly. I see the same mistakes over and over again. And again, for real estate agents, I'll just share with you that in Los Angeles County, 95% of probate cases are handled by an attorney who's done one probate or less in the last year. So most of them don't really know what they're doing. They sound like they do, and they convince the client they do, but they really don't know the particular little detail paperwork, which then causes that probate to be delayed. It's a long process. It's for, it is not for the meek of heart. 
But here's the opportunity, if you think about it. Many real estate agents, just after, let me ask you, those who are on the call, just after hearing what I've said, how many of you just say, you know what, if I ever find out that it's a sale with court approval needed, I'm just going to avoid it. It sounds like too much work. If that's the case, say aye in the chat box or raise your hand. That's a lot of work, right? Probably be the best ones to go after. Those are the best leads. See, I agree with you. Because here's why. I think we're looking for problems to solve. That's how I get paid. If you could push a button and buy a house, Amazon and Google would sell all the houses. The fact that it's difficult is where I make my money. And so I, uh, strategy number four says, if you learn the process better than the competition, you have the chance to make a profit. Now, this is primarily for buyer's agents or for agents that represent investors as buyers. And there are not a lot of these properties. There's about 50 a month of all of LA County. But in the fix and flip world, there's a couple is a month that are worth looking at. And one strategy is if you can get in with a listing agent early, as soon as it hits the market, and you know it's a good deal, and get a buyer who's sophisticated, and there's some tricks I'm not going to see on this video. Uh, there's some tricks to protect your buyer as well. You can get in on a deal before anybody else does. Doesn't mean necessarily you're gonna get it at a really cheap discount. There was a day you might buy it at 60 cents on the dollar or 70 cents on the dollar. I don't think so. I think you can buy a property at its current value of a discount of maybe 10%. Now, that's not a lot, but if you're buying a $500,000 property for 450, and if your business is buying $500,000 properties every month to fix and flip them, you're saving $50,000 perhaps maybe 5%, that's $25,000. Again, not a lot of money, but that's your business. That might be your, be your entire net profit on a monthly basis. Make sense? Number one. Number two, for those you're looking to get into real estate, uh, into probate, what a great way to meet the attorneys. What a great way to learn the process. So I started doing these myself. It was a great way to learn. And so what I would say to any realtor when to start is you should make a list uh, or I should, sorry, a uh, search in the MLS of all these properties. Like you're a buyer, they should come to you and you can look at them and find good deals and then pitch the good deals to your investor. So the key to this is get in first. If you watch the MLS, Property requires court confirmation. You find it's a good deal. You go out and hustle out, see the property, hustle out your investor, get an offering on it. You can get in early. You have to evaluate the properties. You have to probably have a, a list of buyers or investors that you send these to and have them look at them as well. One of the goals is the relationship with the listing agent. Now, pre-COVID, I used to teach, go meet the listing agent. Do whatever you have to. Go by their office unannounced. Hey, I happen to be in the area. Yeah, I was in the area because I parked my car to walk in your office. Again, that was pre-COVID. But again, if you want the deal, you got to make the extra effort. Um, research the case. Now, if you're buying data, 
you're buying through probate money or probate uh, daily or, or any of those services, you'll have the, the probate case number, you have the state, you'll have the heirs, you have a little more information about the case, who the attorney is. You might even look for certain attorneys that you want to meet, make sure you check any properties they're involved with and go the other way. So, and then you want to get locked up as quick as you can, right? And that's true in general in real estate. Now, this is going to be a long ride, but now up until now, rate uh, values have been rising. So if you got involved with a transaction early, your buyer probably made money just sitting around waiting for it to happen. I had, uh, you know, 25 pendings when they closed because of COVID and all the buyers canceled, but there, some came back begging, come back in because the values went up, not down. Um, we've got some questions, but a couple of points I want to finish up here. So you want to know the process. If you get one you like, call me. I'll help you walk through it. I can steal your deal. But I'll show you some of the background, what's going on with it. But just know the process. And sometimes a listing agent doesn't know. They think you have to put 10% down and waive contingencies when you make your initial offer. That's not true. That's only at court confirmation. You can make a 3% EMD and take 17 days to inspect. The court just wants to know that that buyer at the end of that process is underpaying and offers to let anybody else overbid. Now know that once you've gone through all this process and you have a 30 day wait to get a court hearing, somebody else can walk in with their client and be willing to overbid your price by 5% plus $500. But they have to show up waiving all contingencies and they have to show up with a cashier's check for 10% of the bid. So if your buyer's in the deal, say at $500,000, and you're excited, you, you go through contingencies, you wait contingencies, you file for a court date, you wait another 30 days, you've been in the deal now for 60 days, another investor could show up and offer 525, 500. And it's up to your buyer to, to outbid them or not. That's the downside. So you're never gonna get these 20% below market. But you might get in 10% below market because somebody else has to bid up 5%, plus they have to come to court waiving contingencies, plus they have to have a cashier's check. That's a fairly steep hurdle for most people. So I would say to you, be willing to offer 90% of the fair market price of that property. If you can get it for that, you got a good deal probably. And also too, if they get outbidded, uh, the original buyers lose their initial deposit. Is that correct? No, they get the money back. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you have the original buyer, you put your EMD down you, and you raise 10%. You're, you lose costs if you're appraisal or inspection. You're out that money. You know, for real estate agents, I would definitely advise you, step one, if you want to be serious about probate, is print out the appropriate forms, the probate purchase agreement, the probate listing agreement, and read them in detail. Because really, they lay all the process out. Uh, our, our CAR forms, our California Association of Realtor forms, are phenomenal tools. I think of myself as a ninja warrior, and those are my swords and knives. They're really, really good. Okay, I talked quite a bit. I have a bunch of questions. Let me try to knock some of these out if I can. How does a client know how many cases a tree does per year? That's a good question, Abraham. I don't think they do. I think most people just, you know, it's funny, real estate, uh, attorneys put down attorneys and attorneys put down realtors all the time. I'll just share with you, my 
experience of the average attorney. Not, no, there's some great ones who are truly great people and great business people and great attorneys and great servants of, of the community. But the average attorney in my book sounds like they know a lot more than they really do. I was, a, I was an investor on a property about two weeks ago and this guy had been this poor older man, I felt so sorry for him, had been in probate for two years because the attorney really made a basic mistake. And I went up to the agent and I said, look, look, we can fix the legal stuff if you'll let us step in for your attorney. Oh, no, no, he loves the attorney. And I, I realized he was never gonna give it up. I said, fine. And I actually sent the attorney the document he needed to correct the form and he got it full authority and they sold the property and the agent got the commission. And the point of all I have to say is, this guy went to Harvard. He looked like he knew he was talking about. He sounded great. He just, he, but if you only do one probate a year or less, how good can you be? How much can you really know? And, but they'll say things, well, the court's still closed. No, the court's not closed. So I answer your question, but I don't know how you would know that. If you're looking for an attorney for probate, call me. If you think you've been a power somebody, I'll pull the list up and show you how many they've done. I'll, maybe if you want, refer you to somebody who's better. And here's what I would say 90% of the time, I don't think you need an attorney. Unless there's contestants or you know, sibling rivalries, we're fighting over it. If it's just one ear, meaning you know, mom and dad died and, and the guy has a, a property or a guy has a property that they think they're going to get, either with a will or without a will, there's just one person, you don't really need an attorney for that. You just spend a lot of money you don't need to. You might as well use a service. Now, if you have siblings fighting and arguing, that's where you really need an attorney. But I recommend people that I find they get better service not going to an attorney, but to a service I use than going to an attorney about uh, 90% of the time. So to answer your question, Abraham, call me. I'd be glad to, if you have a particular attorney they're looking at, run those numbers and tell you what that number looks like. I, I was asking Bill um, for, for leads uh, to curate a, a relationship with probate attorneys to see if uh, I can possibly buy some properties from their, their clients off market. Well, again, so since there are very few attorneys that control enough business that's worth that discussion, there's a handful of them and you should approach them. And but, the services that, that you mentioned, would they be able to, to help with the lead generation? Yeah. The lead generation side? Yeah, Paul Horn, who's the most prolific attorney in LA court, has a service called Probate Money. And it has the court cases in numerous counties in Southern California. And you, you can search, you can download um, for sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So it's not gonna answer that question. Don't they check the correct block? I want the work. Uh, yeah, Joanne, that doesn't really work that way, but that's crazy. Um, I would go do it and learn. Marissa, I'm not sure what you're referring to, but okay. If I can help you learn how to do it, I'm here to help. Um, great one to go after with it. Uh, JPAC Kearney, I'm not quite sure what you're saying, but great one to go after meeting as far as going after the limited authorities. I don't see you here. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Uh, how to get listings. So Rama, how to get listings. So. Again, today, my topic is how to get sales. Obviously, listings will lead to sales. Today, we talked, we're talking about method five, which is 
starts from a buyer's side where you're looking at other agents' listings. Now, I would say this. If you want to get listings, by, by creating a search of all the probates in your MLS, you're going to see the properties. You're going to see the comments of the agents that are better. You see the comments of the agents that are worse. I think that's beneficial. If you have buyers who make offers on properties, you're going to see listing agents make mistakes. You're going to see, you're going to learn. And I think it helped me become a better listing agent by also working the buyer side of probate. So today I'm not really speaking specifically how to get listings, but I will say that if you represent an investor and they buy a property in court, and you know, if it's a fix and flip, they end up listing it with you if you're bringing them the deal. So really my biggest source of listings has been representing investors in cases like this. It's a roundabout way, I get it, but it also creates business. Make sense? Thank you. Sure. Um, okay, get for leads. You have to have a template for outreach attorneys. So I, I do. I would say that you have to think about what value you're creating to somebody. I know the value that I'm creating. My template is designed for what I do. So I've positioned myself as the expert on court sales. So I contact all attorneys that have court sales. 9% don't have court sales or don't need court sales. And so there are other um, agents who come on this call from time to time who particularly market those attorneys that don't require court confirmation. And what's their basis? They, it's like, to me, it's like anything else. I'm a great agent. I'll get you top dollar. Um, and I think that they get, when I talk to attorneys, they tell me they get a lot of that. So I think you got to find something else besides that that creates your expertise in probate. Uh, and so this is why I say that there's 11 ways to get sales and marketing attorneys is only one of them. If you want more attorney relationships, like number five today, obviously if you buy a property, represent a buyer, you actually make an offer and get into escrow, you're going to meet the attorney at court. Well, that's a great way to meet the attorney. Of the other nine ways, one way I talk about is finding out if your clients have living trusts or not. And if they don't, referring them to attorneys that do living trusts. That's another way to meet attorneys. So again, you can cold call or cold mail attorneys. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is I would supplement that with one or two of the other 11 methods so that now those are working synergistically. So imagine if you mailed an attorney for every filing, and then you also mail uh, end up writing an offer on the listing where he's representing the petitioner. He sees your name a second time. The next time your mailer comes in on a filing, he's more likely to take you seriously. Does that make sense? So I'm really big on trying to find multiple angles of attack on the same person rather than one, because if it's just one angle, it's very competitive. Has the pandemic affected the probate process in Charmy? So the court was closed in March for three months and it created a big backlog. That backlog is pretty much gone now. The court has disallowed people from going to court unless you have a particular um, role in the court hearing. So I used to prospect every day by going to court 
And by law, court is available to the public, subject to space. And so I went every day and I'd watch cases. I'd watch judges. I'd watch the attorneys. I'd watch the other real estate agents. And I learned what they did. I did more of that than any other real estate agent. I saw more sales than anybody. So I saw even the best realtors make basic classic mistakes. You can't do that today. I also, back then, used to do a meetup two or three days a week at court. I invite people to come as my guests and I would give them a tour. That's not available today. I believe in June, uh, I'm told, that we're gonna remove those restrictions. I don't know what you, what you guys heard, but you know, my, my son-in-law works at Ernst Young. They're going back downtown LA, office reopened fully. No masks, all good to go in June. I guess June uh, 15th CDC removes, or they remove certain restrictions and LA and California are gonna go along with that come June 15th, so he says. So we'll see, maybe it goes back to going to court. But for now, you can't go to court unless you have a matter. And the court encourages you to come in via video, which is great as a time saver. It's bad in terms of not meeting people. But as far as procedures, I'd say those are the biggest changes in the court because of the pandemic. Uh, C21 William, you have a prospecting probate question. Go, my favorite topic. Hey, good sir. Um, yeah, so I've been pro uh, prospecting, uh, co calling the older uh, probates. And MTI Education says, yeah, that's a good source to get um, some people that might be thinking about selling now that's on the fence. But uh, for the last two weeks, like most of them been, um, they said they already sold or they're going to keep the property or wrong number or something like that. Um, what is your process for calling the new uh, probate cases uh, as far as cold calling and building up a rapport? The attorneys or petitioners? Uh, petitioners. So I used to do that pre-COVID. I stopped doing that during COVID. I do some other things instead for, for prospecting. So I don't, I don't cold call petitioners anymore, per se. But when you used to, what was your process? Call them all. Call mm -hmm. them all to figure out what they're doing. Now, I would cross-reference with, with the MLS. So if they actually did list, I'd stop chasing them. And then I would put an MLS, um, I don't know what you call it. We have a safe search for that property. So that property expired. I'd be on top of that right away. Okay. One, of the, one of the rules of probate is you cannot have a listing for longer than 90 days. It's invalid. If you write a listing for six months, the listing contract is invalid. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. So after 90 days, I would contact and ask them if they've extended it. And if they said no, I said, well, your listing contract was invalid from the beginning. And um, uh, I would contact the petitioners to say to them, you know, uh, do you know when your contract expires? Well, it can't go more than 90 days. Well, he said it was six months. It's invalid. If you want to cancel the contract, you can tell them it's invalid and be out of the contract. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to answer your question, though, before I, I, you know, I just called them all. I just kept calling and calling and calling. I also met, one thing I did, though, again, using more than one method, I also met many of them in court. I was going to court every day. Mm -hmm. So if I'm on the phone talking to somebody in his hearings next week, I make a note. Hey, Mr. Jones, I spoke to you on the phone. How are you doing? I'm like his friend. And court's a very stressful area. So when you meet someone with a smile, it's very comforting. 
So belly to belly, face to face. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay, that's profound. Roger, thank you for calling it profound. On the estimate, how many times do we need to contact physician before they list? Uh, Marissa, as many as you need to. Should we prospect those six months after they've had a hearing date? Yes, until they list. Some court dates I cite in June or July, it may be too soon to contact them. No, call them as soon as you can. Would I proceed as insensitive? No. Okay, so Marissa, you had like three questions there. So let me answer them one at a time. It used to be, I, I've been in real estate since 1986. It used to be, we would say, you want to contact a prospect three times before you give up on them. Uh, that number now, you know, mathematic, and, and we know now over half the sales happen after the 10th contact. It just takes more and more. I don't know the full reasons why. I think we're just all busier and more stuff going on. But it takes more contacts everywhere in sales, not just probate. Eight everywhere to 15 contacts. However many, however many it is. You know, the best agents I ever knew who did expired listings, and I came from expired originally. They, they would print out every new expired or canceled listing in a certain city. They worked in the city of Walnut, in this case. And they would go to every single one until they gave up on it. So, and they'd write in the back of the paper the date and time they went by. So they noticed they went by in the morning, they tried in the afternoon or the evening or Sunday. But they had every single listing ever until they met with them. If that meant 30 contacts, it was 30. But guess what? It was 30 contacts and they met them What's the seller going to say? Damn, you're persistent. Isn't that what it takes to get your home sold in this market? Right? So to answer your question, Mr. I don't think I don't think we stop at a certain number. We only stop if they've listed with somebody else or decide not to sell. Should we then should prospect six months after they had the hearing date? Yes. Here's an interesting factoid. The average uh, sale is over two years from the filing date. That's the average. There's a lot there, four years, there's some there, six months. So yes, six months is not nearly enough time. And then you said somebody is uh, too soon. Uh, don't remember being insensitive. You know, these people filled out the paperwork to start the probate process. They're not laying down on the floor crying about somebody's loss anymore. It surprises me, but most of the time they don't really have a personal relationship with the sedent. Now be sensitive when you talk about them. And we refer to them as the, the decedent. We don't say your dead brother, your brother died. Who's the guy that died again? We don't say that. So the term we use is decedent. But be sensitive in that respect. But they fill out the paperwork. They want to sell the house. Your job is to help them get what they want. Thank that's you. What, <laughs> that's what kind of scared me from calling the, the um, probates that, that just uh, got on the market or whatever. I would call the older ones because I didn't want to seem like uh, an ambulance chaser and unsensitive to their issue. But building up, uh, transitioning from cold calling to actually calling probates, it's, it's a transition. So now from the older ones, I'm going to start doing the newer ones. Well, I, look, you can only do what you can do. I would say that they had enough, uh, they felt confident enough to tell the world they want to sell the property or they want to file the probate. Uh, I, I've not had anybody in that situation that was that sensitive at that stage. I mean, look, if you want to get a spiritual matter, um, I would say that we don't spend enough time 
just my per- having lost both my parents, my wife losing both her parents. As human beings, we don't spend enough time grieving. We're too busy doing other stuff right after people do pass that we never actually sit down and really feel the real loss. And I think that that's a different, you know, if I was, in a, if I was a preacher on a Sunday, I could, I could have a, an hour long talk on that subject. But I don't, the problem in America today is not that people are so sensitive to each other that they, they're crying about the loss of somebody who died. They're too, most, of, most people are much more anxious to get their hands on the money than they're worrying about the person who passed. That sounds harsh, but I would just say, generally speaking, they're not that, they're not at that sensitive state at that stage. They've, they filled the paperwork and they went to the attorney's office or they filed the paperwork online. I wouldn't worry about it. I think that's, I hear people say all the time, but I've never experienced that problem. My father. I would be respectful and insensitive in my language, but yeah, they're past that. My father was a Marine and he, he was like, you give them their due, but hey, you still have to make a living and uh, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So, you know, just pray for them and, and know that they're in a better place. Well, look, I'm a religious Jew, and we do a very intense grieving period the first seven days. Very intense. And somewhat less, but still intense, for 30 days. And then our remembrance for maybe a year. But the intensity of the first seven days allows us to process it. I wasn't religious when I lost my father. And like, like a lot of people, I went to work you know, two days later and never really grieved. And it took years for me to really process the pain of losing my father. So I don't, the problem is not that everybody's so in touch with their feelings that they're sensitive. If only they were, it might, we might be in a better world, but that's just not the case in my experience. Um, okay. Have you been able to list property from one contact or it takes 48 times? Yes and yes. I've done some on the first contact, but most of them are multiple uh, phone calls. Uh, you know, in, in, I would say this also in my real estate career, the, the contact that we make a phone call, make an appointment and get the listing signed is the same guy who will cancel the contract that day or the, or the next day. You don't want people to rush into it and, and, and as if you're going to fool them and sneak off with a contract. You want people to be committed to working with you. So, but sometimes though it's one contact, but believe me, if you're calling them, if it's in LA County, they're going to get 30, 40, 50 contacts from real estate agents. You're not going to be the last one. You have to be the first one. So you better be the best. And Or it takes 48 times. It takes at least 40. I'd say 12, 10 to 12 times. It's probably more, more likely, depending on how often you call. Um, do all probate sales have to listen to the MLS? No. Probate sales that need court confirmation have to be advertised. Now, what does that mean? That's up to the judge to decide. Sometimes that's LoopNet if it's a commercial property or retail property. Sometimes it's the MLS. I've also seen non-MLS. So as long as the judge feels that the property's been properly advertised, does not have to be in the MLS. The thirty, uh, the ninety-day rule. Did that apply for non-court confirmation or both? The uh, regardless, uh, a a probate listing. It says. Write the form. Cannot the term can't be more than ninety days? Okay. Because so think about it, the person making the agreements is following certain guidelines established by the, the IAE, the Independent. Uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's like an organization of uh, um, 
uh, escrow um, administrators. And um, they created these rules to protect escrows from signing listing agreements for two years. I, I saw a guy, I saw this guy, he might be on a call for I know. I saw a guy who, who uh, uh, listed a property. It was just a mess. He had no idea what he was doing. He, he seems like a nice guy, an aggressive guy, wants to make money. He listed a, a residential property way underpriced, double-ended it for 10% commission. Now, in LA County, the court will limit you to 5% unless you can justify some ex extenuating circumstances on residential property or um, uh, commercial or industrial. On land, vacant land, it'll let you go up to 10% because they tend to be smaller properties. But I saw this guy actually tell the judge, yeah, I worked really hard. You fell out of basketball two or three times. And I wanted to step and say, yeah, you fell out two or three times because you're an idiot. Not because you were worth 10%. Uh, but anyhow, um, but we actually have local rules that don't allow that. And the judge will just amend the contract. Say, Sorry, it was 5%. I think, I think he whined and complained and got 6% actually at the end, which I was kind of disappointed to see happen. Uh, William, besides yourself, who is the top probate agent? So by far, I think in terms of dollar volume, um, uh, well, I'm drawing, Nancy Sanborn. She's been around a long time. She's a paralegal. But I would say that, you know, um, I think she's good. I don't think she's any better than me. Um, she has much longer, deeper relationships from having been a paralegal, been around in probate. I've been around two and a half years. She's been around for a lot longer. And they spon she sponsors bar association events regularly, contributes a lot to that, which is nice. So she's earned her, her way in um, and earned those and developed those deep relationships with a few really key attorneys and fiduciaries and like kind of control a lot of business. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to get a chance. I think if I had a chance to work with some of those same clients, I could get them better results. But, you know, um, we should all think we're the best at what we do. Otherwise, we shouldn't be in the business. That'd be a great interview if you interviewed her on your uh, YouTube channel. I'd love to. I don't know if she would. You know, it's surprising to me. I saw her on a class for the uh, LA Bar, or maybe there's Beverly Hills Bar Association. And, you know, you expect people who are that successful to be very charismatic and very dynamic. And uh, I mean, of course, you know, the trade-off is I'm sure she's smart and knows the details, but I, I don't, there's certainly nothing there that's always my experience with real estate agents who are super superstars. There's nothing really that different than us. They've just done it. In my experience, 90% of success of these top agents is they've been doing the same thing for a lot longer on a consistent, intense basis. And we're always looking for, well, what else do they, are they seven feet tall? No. Are they, do they have you know, lightning coming out of their eyes? No. Do they have some magic computer? No. It's like a case of Nancy's a perfect example. She's been in probate in that niche nonstop for at least, I don't know, 15, 20 years that I know of, consistently every day doing that business. You know, I know top realtors in our area who, when you meet them, I always wonder why they do so much business. Part of it is they just, they picked a geography, a farm or whatever it is, a city, and just worked it every day for 20 years. And there's a certain value that comes from that if you, if you stay on people and do a good job. Um, I don't mean to put her down or be anywhere disrespectful. Um, but at the same time, I don't think there's anybody who knows any more oh, than I people do. people is people. We're all human. 
Um, or maybe she have a team as well, just on the phones all the time. She has a team. Now I'll show you this. I had an attorney call me on Monday and um, they used me to do research on, their, on documents and such. And she said, well, you know, Bill, we're glad to use your title rep or your, call your assistant instead of you personally. I said, no, no, no. You're the attorney. The only person on my team you ever talked to is me. And I'm glad to talk to you anytime you want. Now, I don't do all the research. I have people that I work with as well on my team. My team is all virtual. So I'll text or email my team member to do the research. But so you call me. I'm glad. I have nothing more important in the world to do than to talk to you. And that's true. Um, which that's right. Mean? Lock it up. Um, Miguel asked, what's my opinion regarding double ending a listing and a buyer? So what I always tell people is think of the order here. You first list the property, you sign a contract with the seller and you're saying to them, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I'm going to get you top dollar for your house. I'm going to get you the best possible outcome for your deal. You can't pick up the phone and call buyer and say, Hey, I get this property for the cheap and not be a liar. True or false. True. Yeah. Now, there are agents who purposely give poor service to co-op agents, hoping to drive a buyer into their arms. We've all experienced that. Property's on the market for a week, but they won't set up a showing for you. But when your buyer calls their office, they'll set up a showing. Right? Uh, one, of my, one of my complaints with Nancy Sanborn, just to air some dirty laundry, the house across the street from me, the lady died. We knew the lady. I was here the night the ambulance took her away. I didn't know if she died in the house or not. Now, I didn't know how to find it out back then. But I called her office. I had friends who wanted to live across the street from me. And I called her office, I don't know, 10 times, text, email, phone. They were never going to call me back. They were never going to call me back. Why? Because they double-ended the deal. I think that's wrong. To me, that's just wrong. And I'd say over half of listing agents, that's what they do. I don't do that. Now, I've had occasions where investors will call me and say, would you represent me on the deal? And if I think I can do a better job for my client, the seller, I'll say, yes, occasionally that's the case. Vacant land, that's easy to do. But generally speaking, no, I, I don't think that you can, for the, for the most part, more than 10% of the time, represent both sides. I just think, you're just being greedy. How do Selling you get- your soul for a commission check. Exactly. And, and being disreputable to your industry. Absolutely. Everybody thinks of realtors being slimy because of that. Every attorney does, every judge does. The biggest challenge in business with attorneys and informed judges is me convincing them I'm not like the other ones. Because agents learn about probate, excited about it, they get their listing, in their mind, and now there's other coaches that teach you this. It's all about getting it cheap and flipping it and being the investor and putting your own pocket. Look, I flip some properties, but not my own listings. That's just being a pig in my book. I made good money flipping houses this year, but not my own listings. I mean, that's just obvious. I don't understand why that. And so when you ask about doubling your property, I don't get how people do that with a straight face. I just, uh, I, 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 it bothers me. Yes, we should be able to, on occasion, with certain circumstances, double-ended deal as realtors. But in a probate case, I, and I, look, I look for that. I'll, I'll share with you. What's the question, Miguel? When I look at 
court confirmation cases, I, I, uh, my assistant pulls up for me who the buyer's agent is and who the listing agent is. And believe me, if it's the same brokerage, I look double look at that one. I know there's something shady going on there because the odds of the same broker uh, selling the buyer is about one in 10. But more than that, they're stacking the deck, probably trying to get a lower price than they should for the seller. There's my opinion on that. Man, I'm feisty today, huh? What's this all about? No, you're just honest. Try to be Only honest. time I'm going to uh, double end a, a deal is unless um, it's an investor like in uh, Compton or Carson when uh, they you can't sell the property unless uh, if it has illegal additions. So I know what the ceiling is. And if the investor wants to uh, buy it at that price and I have the investor, I'll do a uh, double-sided. But other than that, I um, my fiduciary duty is uh, for my seller. And I'm only, I, I mostly work with sellers. And, um, you know, it, I would get calls from buyers say, hey, would you represent me? I would refer them to somebody else so they can negotiate right. against me from my clients. I've done that. I, on the phone, I have one of my, my agents I work with, my referred buyers to, or a couple. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, I don't want to, uh, I can't represent the buyer effectively most of the time with the listing. There's exceptions. And the key is this. I signed a contract with my seller. If I can represent the buyer and do a better job for my seller also, then I'll do it. But if I can't, I'm not allowed to. It's just common sense to me. Um, okay. Uh, yes, Charmy confirms June 15th. I hope you're right, Charmy. I don't know. Um, Marissa, let's go to court and learn with you, Bill. Um, you just introduce yourself to trainers. Well, that's a whole discussion. I don't know that I can answer that now. But I would say um, when we have court opened up again, I'll redo my meetups at court and love to have you guys come and show you around a little bit. Krista, I work with Chris I'm sorry. I said, I want to go to court with you. I asked you right. several times. Let me I'm know. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I, <laughs> I, you know, I can't take you now. I'm not allowed to bring you in now. But uh, I'd say once the court allows us, maybe June 15th we'll be able to. So that's not great. Um, I work at court in San Bernardino, and we haven't heard about a full reopening. Okay, Kristen. Well, thank you. Good to know. Um, but um, you know, I don't know. I'm, certainly, we don't have any. Uh, it's open up yet from the court in LA. Nothing happens till the head judge says it happens. When he says it happens, it will. Um, news about next listing time 90 days is that for all of California? Uh, JPAC Curry, that is true for probate listings. We're talking about, we're not talking about in general in the MLS, you can have other listing time periods, but on probate specifically, can't be more than 90 days. Right. Thank you. Yeah, it was specific to probate listings. That's, that's a California law. It's not, that's not a state of, that's not a county of LA or an LA court thing. That's a state of LA, or state of California right, thank you. law. Marissa, persistence pays. Yes, definitely. Um, Chris I have a asks, question, Bill. Sure, Jen. Um, if, if the listing has to go over 90 days, then what? Do they just simply extend the listing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And you can extend the listing before it expires. You, you know, I, I, generally, that's the best practice. Right on day 80, you get a notice from the MLS, your listing is set to expire. And I call the customer and say, hey, by the way, we're going to expire on whatever date. I can re-extend it for 90 more days. 90 more days. Well, the reason why, yeah, the reason why I'm asking is, is that uh, not in my office, um, and, um, but in another KW office, 
there was um i think i think the listing was in silver lake or something like that and it mm -hmm. was a much older home they remodeled that home from i don't know almost like from the ground up and huh? and 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 it sold for a whole lot more it did sold for market value so they got more money for for the estate so i was just asking because sometimes sometimes you might have to extend it especially if you yeah. list it you have to put it on hold because they got to get in there and remodel it and um and get everything prepared but they sold that especially in silver lake because silver lake is, is a very uh hot area yeah but generally you don't have it on the market why you're doing the remodeling because right. you want people to come in and see it, but you, you they can sign a list agreement they want to and mm -hmm. exclude from the MLS if the customer signs the appropriate paperwork. But you can only do it for ninety days at a time, so you can okay. extend it every ninety days, and you could extend on day eighty-five for another ninety days. If you want to do it that way, which is makes more sense. Don't you don't want it to expire? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Chris F asks, how often do in LA Ventura and Orange County incur properties that do not close due to title problems or lack of equity. Title problems all the time uh, because people don't know what they're supposed to do. Uh, I mean, I can go on nonstop about uh, even when they're appropriate with an attorney. The attorney doesn't know what to do. Uh, I'll give you one example. When you sell property um, with full authority, uh, you are required, you're not required legally to follow notice of proposed actions. Those proposed action form DE-165 is a probate form that says to everybody in the world, hey, we're, we're going to sell this house for $500,000 to Joe and Mary Smith. You don't have to do that uh, under, under full authority. However, the top company won't give you title insurance. Well, if you sold the property and the buyer wants title insurance, you know, you have to get that property, the form filed. So I've had attorneys argue with me, well, it's not required by law. I'm not saying it's required by law. I'm just saying you're not going to sell the house until you file the form. That I can say with, with conviction because the tile company won't do it. So it happens all the time. People have the wrong forms. Tile companies don't underwrite the file properly ahead of time. In fact, I have um, one of my probate coaches, Kevin Sales, who's going to be on our call here in a few weeks. He's going to talk about specifically how to avoid title problems in probate uh, and what to do to prevent that from happening. And then, Chris, you ask how often lack of equity? Very rarely, because generally the equity is kind of checked out long before you get down the process. Keep in mind, the attorney's not getting paid till the end. And the state's not drawing out money. They're not, they can get expenses paid with certain circumstances, but they're not getting any money until the property is sold at the very end. So if there's no equity, they're generally not going to go ahead. Uh, you, don't, you don't get short sales unless there's money in the deal for the state, for example. You're not going to get a no, a no cash out equity um, short sale. Um, Marissa, thanks for your honesty. Okay, well, thank you. Well, I hope I don't hear back. I don't mean anything bad to the other agents, and I have mad respect for Nancy, and, and there's a couple of others that do a lot of more business than I do, make more money than I do, good for them. I just wish that we would not double end deals and treat the co-op agents improperly at the, at the expense of our, our clients. Um, Rama, I believe you started a question, I'll have it. Competition's fierce, definitely uh, competition's fierce. Like to talk to you. Ramla, talk to me fine. Call me anytime. I'm, I'm available and love to chat with you. Um, YouTube, great. Abraham, uh, I have to run. Okay, fine. Thank you, Abraham. I've got a lot. I'm sorry, you guys. I have like 33 questions and I haven't got to haven't got to yet. You guys are pretty active in the chat box today. 
Are probate courts in Orange County open? Yes. Now, uh, Winston, they might not be open for you to walk in without an appointment or a purpose for you being there. And um, uh, Orange County has you know, video technology that and the attorneys are trying to avoid going to court. So I would check into that. Can you walk into Orange County Probate Court and go to the probate office and get records? That I don't know. I would say generally a county like Orange or LA has a great website that will tell you the answer to that question. Hmm. Hope that helps. Um, limit authority to full authority, how much time court takes? Uh, there's a four, I've seen attorneys. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first beneficiaries of this. I talked to one of my attorneys when COVID happened and we filed a, a uh, ex parte, which means no, no party petition to change from limited to full authority in the court and give the reasons why the judge approved it. So uh, it's just really filing an ex parte motion. Uh, if there's no objectors, if there's no other heirs but your client, there's no reason why it should be full authority if, as long hmm. as you get bonded. Um, does my pay all cash for probate deals? No, absolutely not true. They have to pay all cash if they're overbidding for court deals, yes. So this is, this is asking a kind of question that causes buyers to avoid probate. She's asking, is it you pay all cash for probate deals? The answer is no. If you buy a probate that's in the MLS, you can get financing. You just can't come to court and overbid that guy and get that finance. So you can get hard money lending. And I can talk to you about that if you're interested as an investor. Mm -hmm. If you have hard money lending, that will do probate. Um, okay, I think I hit most of the questions and we're kind of coming up on the end of the witching hour here. So um, I think I'll wrap it up here. Unless anybody has any burning questions left? No? Okay, was this helpful today? Was this a good topic? So again, and remember, yeah. remember, and, and Rama, I appreciate you pointing this out. Um, yes, we want listing, but sometimes working with investors and buying a property for me has really been my best source of listings. You know, the attorney relationships take a long time. There's only a few that are really valuable. And there's some good agents who are in front of me on those relationships. But when my investor buys a property, he's not talking to other agents to list it. I found him the property, I get a list. That's the deal we made. So today we're talking about the limited authority property. It's just a way for you to make some money, learn the business, develop your own expertise, and I think get your investor property that you can list, create some future inventory for yourself. So I hope you do that. We do this. Thank you so much, everybody. We do this call every Thursday. Four o'clock Pacific time, probateweekly.com. And we'll, if you register, you'll get a chance to see it via YouTube. I really appreciate you guys who watch on YouTube. Thumbs up if it's good. If you have comments or questions, put it in the YouTube as well. I respond to all those. Love to have you subscribe. Supports the channel. I have some vendors who are really helping me um, grow this business um, and hopefully give more value to you guys without having to charge anything. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to do it that way. So please support if you can on the YouTube channel. On Tuesdays, I do, pro, I do real estate investing zoom.com, real estate investing zoom.com. That's 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And that's also on YouTube. And then watch uh, in the three weeks, I will be doing both calls live from New York City. So thank you all for your support. Make this week your best week ever. And if I can help you, please reach out. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, thank you, nice thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.